0: let's talk about fear so this is what i think happens is we get into this i'm gonna i'm gonna motivational talk my fear into just into like submission like i'm gonna go out i'm gonna crush it i'm gonna hack it and and then and we do that like we jump off the cliff or we do the launch or whatever and we actually pull it off because we're strong and we're amazing and humans are incredible. And we get, and the adrenaline rush tells us that that's the correct move.
1: That little snippet, my friends, was from Danielle Laporte. Now, Danielle is a dear friend. Uh, She hails from Vancouver, which is just north of me here in Seattle. I like to think of us as South Canada sometimes. Um, And she is a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100 which, in Oprah's words, is a group uniquely connecting the world together with a spiritual energy that matters. Now, Danielle is a previous guest on the show, uh, and she is the author of a number of books, some of which have been radical breakouts. Um, We talk a little bit about that, so I don't need to go into too much detail here. But she's got a new book out, and the book is about love. Um, part of what strikes me about this is, you know, people on their deathbed say, oh, gosh, all it is about is love. You got this Beatles title, like, you know, all we need is love. Uh, but what Danielle explores is great. What do we mean by that? And the title of the book is how to be loving when your heart is breaking open and the world is waking up. And this is particularly interesting for, I think for, well, particularly interesting for me, but I also think a lot of. Uh, those of us who have been at some point in our lives conditioned to crush it and kick ass and, you know, um, just type A grinders. Uh, and Danielle is so profound in this work. I know you're going to love this show. So I'm going to get out of the way and let you enjoy this conversation between yours truly and Danielle
0: Laporte.
1: Danielle Laporte, thank you so much for being with us today. Welcome back.
0: Chase, last time in studio, (laughs) black and white, crossing borders with ease, Uh going deep. Here we are.
1: Times were different back then, weren't they, in 2018? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's lovely to see you. You're radiating and you've got a new book out, one of the things I want to talk about. But before we do, uh, for the handful of people who may not be familiar with your work, I'm hoping that you can sort of locate us on, the, on the, the map of things that you love to um, share with your community, why uh, you would be a guest on the show, orient us in time and space around your work.
0: Mm. That is so much better than the question of, tell us how you got here. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, where I am in time and space, I'm really interested in the intelligence of the heart. So in, a, uh, in an anecdotal way, I think it's time to give love. Let it be the game changer. We all know it can be in mm. politics, education, business, all factors of factions of society. Uh, I have a leadership community. It's called Heart Centered Leadership Program, where we have a few hundred, 400 plus now, uh, facilitators, coaches, HR directors using our curriculum, that's all about virtue, really. And what we consider to be like tools for real resilience, I would love to talk about my definition of resilience. Mm -hmm. And I have a heart centered membership where it's really a spiritual support system. So, you know, some metaphysics and some on the ground. I'm most well known for a book called the desire map, which became like a thing. And the driving question was, how do you want to feel? And what was revelatory at that time around that was a lot of people didn't even think their feelings mattered. Yeah. And then, you're, you know, my thesis at that time, which you'll hear has shifted, was that um, your feelings should be like your global positioning system. and And I still stand by that, but there's an evolution to that, which is your feelings aren't the end game. I'm more interested in a new question which is what do you want to embody and that really brings us into like higher consciousness feelings come from like the subconscious Mm -hmm. uh virtue is a state of being and that's what i'm up to (laughs) yeah
1: just just those little things asking those little questions of ourselves yeah uh obviously you're on the map um oprah's super soul crew, um, for those that earlier work or those earlier works that you mentioned, mm-hmm. part of what's interesting to me about this new work is that it's focused on love. And as someone who has, um, well, I married an amazing human who helped me. I'm she was 25 just, years now, 25 years. Yes. Thank you. Kate and I have just, just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, which is tough because I'm only 29. So we got married when I was four. <laughs> um, but I was fortunate enough to marry someone who was so, um, influential in helping me understand love. And it, it, it had taken a very, very long time, but, it, you know, your new, new work, how to be loving subhead as your heart is breaking open and our world is waking up. Let us help me understand now this, the transition that you talked about in, or I guess a deepening of your thesis and yeah. why love is at the center of this work rather than one piece of the pie as you had sort of articulated in, in earlier areas of the work.
0: Well, I, I don't think love is a feeling or an emotion. This is my experiences. Emotions come and go. You can be happy, you can be sad, you can be angry, you can be grateful. 900 times a day, it's fleeting. There's a really powerful... Buddhist analogy which is like you are the sky the emotions are the clouds got it come and go my skyness is like <laughs> my soulness my the thing that is bigger than me the higher self the big self and okay well if love is the foundation the eternal stuff and i want to be loving all the time I want to be loved no matter what, no matter how I get treated, no matter what a mandate is, no matter what I ate, what I just want to show up loving kindness. I want to be compassionate. I want to be resilient. I want to be right. I want to be all those states of being. And so then this is this is a little bit of tough love, like life is not about being happy, a purposeful life is not about a positivity all the time and crushing it. Because that is a such a setup for emotional roller coaster, adrenal fatigue, and not being really the um your own parent. <laughs> your own guru, all those things. Love is steady. Get on team love so that even if you have a bad day, I mean, I, the last time we met, we, I was thinking about this this morning. We might want to unpack this could be useful for some people. I was in on that particular day that I was in your studio. That was one of the hardest days in my life. It was one of many that got strung together. I was in the, you know, a, a real bona fide I don't use the term whimsically, dark night of the soul. And that was really the beginning of this revelation because there were so many times in that really brutal passage where, you know, even though the crying and anxiety and panic attacks and things were really crumbling, I really still felt so much love for the people that I loved. And I felt close to life, to God. And there were times I actually felt really useful. And a friend called me that I hadn't talked to for a long time. So she didn't know the state that I was in. And she was in a state herself. Things were falling apart for her. And, you know, I was, you know, feeling as broken as I was. You know, anybody who called, I just, you know, of course, I just wanted comfort and listen to me and let me tell you about how rough it is right now for me but we just kind of launched into her and I felt so useful at the end of that conversation. She didn't even know when we hung up, what like that I'd just been balling my eyes out before she called that. I didn't know if I was going to have a career anymore kind of stuff. Wow. And I thought, this is so, this whole enlightenment thing is not about feeling good. It's about embodying love
1: well, part of what, to me, you shared that fact after, long after the fact that we, when during our last show, our last recording, mm-hmm. that you were in that tough place. And part of what is completely remarkable to me, and if you're okay using yourself as an example, mm-hmm. um, that the world would never have known.
0: Never have known, because I looked you, great. I was a great hair did, day. You looked
1: great. <laughs> I remember, I remember taking pictures and the, and you were just, you know, you were everything you were, you just embodied the work that you were sharing. You were seemingly incredibly present. I mean, I have done literally hundreds and hundreds of these and I've been, you know, with people that hold space really well. And you could not, I, I had no idea that you were in that state now. The analogy that I want to, or I guess the analog to that is you are clearly a professional at this and still your ability to sort of look back and talk about that has profound. This is, this is what's captured basically in this new work of yours, but there are thousands of tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds that are listening to this right now that have put that same face on and have sort of shown up. And what I want to know from you is, is that the wrong thing to do? Because you showed up, you Mm. played through this thing.
0: That's a great question.
1: Is that, Mm. you know, because we all have this, we all have moments, as you said, and, and you want to be in pure love. What's confusing to me is how in the hell did you do that? And I know that you still helped, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of people from the recording that we made. So is it, is it wrong to show up in that state when you're in the dark night of the soul and put your boots on, you know, how do how do you reconcile that with this new work of always being in this this state of love? Oh, that's a
0: good one. I did the right thing. I committed, I was committed to being of service. Um, It was expansive and that like, I can do this. I am it's phenomenal to be able to experience that. So, you know, I felt expanded later. It Mm -hmm. was something, it was a, um, a moment of strength that I could draw on. And then of course, you know, you go home or, you know, I took the train home and just kind of fell apart. Um, I think where it gets damaging is to do that indefinitely. Mm and across the board. So it's like, you need to, you can't show up to everybody with that face on consistently over a long period of time. So what what I, what I actually had to do in that passage of my life was I called my team. Actually, I didn't call them. I created a voice memo because my nervous system was so jacked, even phone calls. I couldn't do phone calls. I couldn't watch movies maybe what of my t- this you know as amazing as I was showing up on your sh- your show and trying to be useful I took my kid to a deaf leopard concert <laughs> and I just like we okay. got we gotta go we gotta go you know um, I ca- I voiced them on my team and I said I don't know how long this is gonna last but like you and Jesus gotta take the wheel for a while and and this is it and this is what I've learned about dark nights is that they do have uh, some like presiding characteristics, which is it's, it's very, um, it's very chrysalis. Like it's soup. You don't know who you are anymore. I didn't know if I was going to come back and still be a writer. I didn't know if I was still going to have all the same aspirations. I didn't know if I was going to have a different kind of faith. You just you melt. And that's and that's what makes it different. Like, you know, you hear a lot of people, especially in this wellness space saying "Ah, oh, dark night of the soul. You know, I got divorced. So I sleep in on my sister's couch. Look, like those are really challenging things. Those are initiations for sure. But the dark night is an identity crusher. And the ego feels it has nothing to hold on to because it doesn't. The ego is just being uh, it's, it's it's torched. And that's why it's really a rebirth. Uh, So if you can show up for people to be of service, if you can really be in Seva, do it. Also, I think this is another, this is a personal observation and, and more conversations with people going through these passages. I think we fall apart. I think the soul has mercy on us. Like all those initiations have to happen. We all know people or have had those stories of, the bankruptcy, the cancel culture, the whatever it is where you get stripped down. And on the other side, you're just like, wow, that really showed me how close I am to life, et cetera. I, but, so the soul is kind of dispensing that for you. It's like, okay, let's get down to who you really are. We're going to just strip it down a bit, put you through this challenge. And voila, you, you know, but I think the merciful part is, We do fall apart when we have some systems in place. Hmm. So like if I were to have the revelations that I would have had a couple years ago. In my 20s, I probably would have been in a psych ward.
1: Hmm.
0: I had my psyche is strong enough. My body was strong enough. I was lucky enough to I had a business. I had I had a place to live. My life circums. I had an ecosystem set up. And i see this happen with a lot of people the ecosystem is just strong enough that you can fall apart within it
1: Mm. this thank you for that first of all so we talked about being of service and i noticed that you have really developed your vocabulary around the ego since mm-hmm. the last time we talked. I'm wondering if mm-hmm. this sort of dark night of the soul, this sort of reconciliation, you said you lose your identity, your identity is burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. And yet so mm-hmm. much of what we do is if so much of the human experience is egoic in nature, right? So mm-hmm. as you're burning this Uh, you know, as you're burning your identity to the ground or it's being burned, I don't know if we are burning it, but it is being burned down to the ground. Mm -hmm. Is this, uh, is this a chance for sort of total reinvention? Is this a reconciliation where you have to come to terms? I want to go one level deeper on, on this process of the dark night of the soul that you went through, because again, there are people listening right now who are in the middle of this. So, my hope is that if you're telling people that you essentially are burned to the ground, is it, is it your identity that you're losing? Is it a false identity, a former identity that now gives you an opportunity to rebuild and sort of yes. love is the main, what helped me understand this transition. It's
0: all the false identities that are all based on us believing a lie that we're separate or we're unworthy. It's like, so much of what I've learned about love and how creation probably works, I've learned through parenting. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, if my son came to me and said, am I worthy of your love? I would just laugh. I'd be like, what? That's a silly question. And I think creation holds us in that space. Like, so the ego is always putting us in this is pitting us within ourselves. Am I worthy? Am I unworthy? What do I have to do to be worthy? How can I be more worthy than them? This is really the root of like global division right now. Mm. And so we create all these masks. I'm going to do this to earn divine favor, or I'm going to do this. I'm going to get the purse, the gig, the job, just the right shot so that people can see that I am worthy. I am so worthy. I think it's actually a beautiful impulse. Mm. I think underneath that is we are just wanting to know to remember that we're connected. We want to know, you know, the Buddhists would say, we want to know our Buddha nature. We want to know our divine nature. We want to know that it's beyond the sense of belonging. It's just like we are something divine. Hmm. <laughs> like, you know, and that's the whole point of being here, incarnated on earth, <laughs> you know, Every mystic will say this is about healing. What's the healing? The healing is correct perception. Mm. You get in line with your true identity, not your bullshit identity. Mm. And the old identity has to be dismantled for you to go, wow, I got it. I've always had it. I am the beloved. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Guess what? You got it. And you got it. And we all got it. And the trees got it. And. The ego the thing is you don't get rid of the ego after all this. You still have the ego, <laughs> but the ego starts to relax. It just chills out. It's not running your life. You can see when it's in the conversation, you know, you go, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. You go, Oh, that was my, my way of egoing. Yeah. Which is just another way to say that is, Oh, that was just my way of creating separation in that moment. I wanted to be distinct. I wanted to be better. Then you get into the real shadow stuff. You mm-hmm. see, you actually wanted to be maybe a little bit mean, a little bit greedy. Like, like, let's just set the record straight. Like, who's superior here? Um, we do those things. And on the other side of all of that unmasking, you realize you're connected. You just have so much more compassion for other people, and this is this is a thing in our space. You know, those wellness space, it's personal development space, self de- development. It's so it's such a twist, right? <laughs> really, because really, it's about unselfing. Enlightenment is about being less of a self. Is that um, we forget that we created our fear. So I see a lot, especially with all the life hacker dudes, all the bros. I love you all. I love you all. <laughs> it's like, it's about crushing the fear. Stop. You created your fear. It's your fear, baby. It's your anxiety, baby. All of those things that we're repressing, that's all our mind babies. We created them, love them, just like all of our actual babies, because it's all just trying to get our attention.
1: There's a line about your work that i think is really interesting and it's that you'll learn that progress is more about letting go than learning new tricks so for all the sort of the the, the bros that are out there trying to hack their fear for example
0: yeah.
1: tell us how the process of letting go um there's also a very strong presence in your work about this is not something that we are fixing with ourselves. We don't, we don't need to fix. So help yes. us understand the difference. Like we're not learning new tricks. We're not fixing something. We're not broken. It's, it's about letting go in order to sort of be this love centered being that you've talked about in your new work here.
0: Well, I want to back into that. So let's talk about fear. So this is what I think happens is we get into this. I'm going to, I'm going to, motivational talk, my fear into just into like submission. It's like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to hack it. And, and then, and we do that. Like we jump off the cliff or we do the launch or whatever. And we actually pull it off because we're strong and we're amazing and humans are incredible. And we get and the adrenaline rush tells us that that's the correct move. The material success is validating the ego's choice to say, to criticize our fear. But the fear still hasn't been dealt with.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's under there and it's going to seep out and it's going to come in. You know, it'll, it'll, I think it'll sneak into how controlling you get in your relationships and by controlling, I mean how not accepting you are of the person that you apparently love and how not accepting you are of your stuff. And so I think there's a counterintuitive move, which is you just have a, you have a friendly conversation with your fear. And in that moment, I think we, in being friendly to our fear, we undo years of resisting shadow work and we do year undo years of authority issues which is like always been my thing i got authority issues which i've realized is just fear of being controlled it's just it's so it's such a such a mind trip it's got nothing to do with me being in control Fear of being out of control and then the fear softens you be friendly with your stuff and then it it doesn't control you And then as for the letting go, all we're letting go of is ways of being that are constrictive and separative and divisive and unloving. We're just letting go of unloving stories. Um, But there's kind of a twist here, which is, this is going to sound really paradoxical. I don't think we can actually let anything go. Mm. I, I think... Just like the fear, you don't let go of fear. You love the fear. You bring it in, and it transmutes. Um, so yeah, on one level, you can say just let go of all those thoughts. Really, it's just like don't identify with those thoughts, don't cling to those thoughts, don't hold on to them. Just but they're gonna be. You're gonna, what you're gonna do is you're gonna get more spacious and more expansive and more loving, and all those thoughts have space. You just, you stop, you you loosen your grip.
1: Okay. This is the perfect transition to, uh, I've got a page, dog you here, page 31 around our true identity. And to keep pulling on this thread, how we, this is a, a quote from, again, your new book, uh, How to Be Loving. Again, congratulations. How we see ourselves and interpret the events of our lives is what creates suffering or fulfillment so how do we have this relationship where we are we are talking lovingly to our fear we're acknowledging it we're, we're letting go as in not clinging to the things and yet we you know this, there's this balance between suffering and fulfillment are those both inevitable or is the goal to avoid suffering and enter fully into fulfillment like Explain to me this relationship is a little triangle, like letting go, not mm. let, letting go, not letting go. Suffering, fulfillment.
0: Suffering's going to happen. We're here. We're, we're living in this duality in this dimension of all these tensions. I prefer to look at it as creative tension, dark, light, yin, yang. Uh, I think you do enlightenment, I believe is this place I'll get there some lifetime where (laughs) you just, you, you are at peace with everything that's happening and it's just joy is the bedrock. So if you're suffering, you're with the suffering and to be able to be with it is the joyful experience. If you're happy, you get to be happy and to be able to just be with that happiness in that moment is a joyful experience. Happiness and joy are very different. Happiness is the clouds. Joy is like the atmosphere, right? and wait give me the hook of the question again the hook is, is the
1: relationship hand. between suffering fulfillment you know because this is the, the the quote is how we see ourselves and interpret the events of our lives right is what creates suffering or fulfillment right. so it seems like in there is is a choice suffering or fulfillment
0: the choice is the identification okay so are you going to see yourself as what your mother said you were or your high school teacher is that how you see yourself do you identify with that do you identify with a problem do you identify i'm just a ceo i'm just a husband a partner a wife i'm just that because if you get into those little limited boxes your capacity to really solve problems and be with things it's as limited as that box. So the, super simple exercise, and this goes back to the Buddhist reference of the sky. Um, you know, I live by the ocean now, walk the seawall could be like so agitated, frustrated with, you know, usually it's a, you know, it's all relationships. Everything is relationships are the vehicle. Just like they, that them, this right. And I just, I'll think to myself, I'm the sky. I am Love. I got this and it sounds like maybe like this poetic new age little platitude hook but it actually interrupts that mind chatter the subconscious is believing what you're saying to it the subconscious knows that love is the transmuter and I and if I walk into a conversation and think I'm love I got this I'm not the problem. I'm something so much bigger. I have space for the problem. I got space for someone's shitty attitude. I got space for my shitty attitude. And I also have space for like everybody else's brilliance and opinions and choices. I'm, I'm vast. I'm the sky. I'm love. I'm going to solve this. It's very different than I'm an author and I have to figure this out. I'm an influencer, and this is what an influencer would do. I'm a mother, and this is how all the Psych 101 books tell me a mother should be. Or I'm offended, <laughs> or I'm a political perspective. I'm all those things. I have space for all of those things, and then I have space for my suffering. And you know, I went through some uh, pretty challenging health situation last year. Mm. And I had to say to my physical pain, I was in some real, some steady agony for a while. You now, my belief is that all pain, it's the subconscious just saying, hey, there's an issue down here. You need to look at me. I'm getting your attention through your body. Let's unpack this. Okay. So I don't always know what my body's telling me when I'm in pain, but there's something in there. I'm going to figure it out. But the power move for me was to say to my pain every day, you are welcome here because I created you. And and this was, this is so cheese, but this really was life-changing because who wants to be in pain? I said, and if you come back tomorrow, you're still welcome. Wow. And that is... That will expand you. So when the pain came back the next day, I wasn't resisting it. I could have more of a conversation with it. And then I could, that translates into relationships. You can be kind of, you can be all in your shadow and manipulate and demanding, not give me what I want tomorrow again. And I'm still open to loving you. Doesn't mean I have to stick around, but.
1: There's another line in the book, which is exactly what you're talking about right now, which says, focus on what you have the immediate power to control, how you perceive yourself. Mm -hmm. This acceptance, this, you know, welcome back fear. There's some sort of um, a crazy alignment. Now, the, the question for people who are new to your work or like, my God, how in the hell do you do this on a practical basis like this? Great. That sounds like amazing medicine to just accept, you know, that I am in this pain right now that my work life is struggling or my bank account is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, short for month for, for rent this month. And if you can control as, you know, as you're asking what you have the ability to control, how do you perceive yourself? How what's the actual mechanism for not just beating yourself up in that moment?
0: You need tools. You need practices. This isn't just a concept that you can think your way into. You need to do the work of being still. This is all about connecting with the bigger power. That's going to see you through all of this. That's going to show you like how capable, how loved, how in community, how resourced you are. You can't see any of that stuff. You can't access any of that stuff. You can't embody any of that stuff unless you have practices in your life that have been around for thousands of years around stillness, contemplation, different things, meditation, moving your body, eating clean. This is what we're all all about right now. The, tr- the trick is the trick is, <laughs> and this like, I wrote another book on this is <laughs> to do those things from a place of, uh, well, joy if possible, but like not a place of proving. So it's like, I used to meditate because I want to be like the spiritual rock star and I wanted to burn my karma, but really underneath that was just this Catholic hangover of like, I want God to love me. So I'm going to show up and do these things. I'm going to be good at prayer. I'm going to be good at all this stuff. Um, and it was, it was just all self-criticism, self-help disguised as self-criticism. And now for me, it's it's just, you hit your stride. It's just, wow. You know, I sit for 20 minutes in the morning. I get right with the universe, do a little mind hygiene really move into the vibration of my heart of love. I tune in. My day is a lot better. I'm more peaceful. Anxiety doesn't knock on my ceiling anymore. I've more, much more intimate conversations, podcasting. It's going wonderfully. <laughs> and I'm able to say things like, you know, whatever shows up is welcome. And doesn't mean, you know, there isn't challenge, but you got to have your practices, you got to commit mm-hmm. and specifically with meditation, I think meditations, meditation practices are like relationships and commitment. Like I know a lot of dudes who are just like, yeah, I'm not into commitment. I'd be like, you just haven't found the right woman yet. And it's, this, and you know, and they define the right person. They're just like, bazang, you know, engaged. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Told you. It's the same thing with meditation. Be like, ah, I don't. First of all, listen, being on the treadmill is not meditation. So don't give me that. You'll <laughs> say, oh, well, like I meditate in the gym. No, you don't. That is therapeutic. It might be meditative, but you actually got to sit yourself down. You can move. You can walk and do it with the intention of connecting with something more meaningful, the divine. Um, If it's not working for you, keep looking until you find a practice that really centers and excites you.
1: There is, you know, across thousands of years and all kinds of traditions and sort of surprisingly or interestingly, I would say you go back, go to the Beatles. Like, all we need is love. There's this, you know, this, um, I can't this isn't a new thing, but when you, you, you know, interview people who are on their deathbed, there is this, um, uh, again, seemingly simple, but ultimately what I would perceive as very profound, like all it is, is love. Yes. So why, why do we get lost? There's this, this has been around for thousands of years. People Mm -hmm. on their deathbed say this. And yet we go, is it, you know, is it our culture? Is it our ego? Is it all these things? Like, how do we continue to get lost when, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, even look at the arc of you said, you know, your work, if you go back to your opening statement evolved from you know, earlier thinking that was this the GPS of the emotions, and now you know, here you are just at at love.
0: Being lost is cool. Like it's it makes you stronger. This I, I think earth is uh it's a term I never use. Earth is boot camp for evolution, for consciousness. So it's like, how do you how do you learn to see in the dark? <laughs> you enter blind. I think we incarnate and we're like, okay, I'm I'm going in. This is all about expansion. I'm going to go to university. It's called planet earth. And I'm going in blind. I'm going to forget that I'm actually the Buddha. I'm going to forget that the same thing that made sequoia trees made me. And that is, that's that's courageous. It's radical. It builds strength. It expands your consciousness. So there's that, I think there's like deep meaning to walk in the path blind. And then we awaken how we perpetuate it. I think really like underneath your question is like, why are we still asleep?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right. I guess that is. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think it's, we just, first of all, we're trying to undo eons. This is like the human journey. (laughs) This is not going to, this isn't about a couple workshops and reading all of my books. Um, We're unpacking centuries upon centuries of thinking that we're separate of forgetting
1: where we came from. What is the the experience then of beginning to identify? Well, I'm going to take the same question from the other. So if that's, you know, why have we screwed this up? Why aren't we like, let's, let's consider the opposite. What happens when you begin to identify as love? What are the, what are the feelings? What are the experiences that we have? How do you know that you're on the right track? What's the compass
0: gentleness. So you speak very differently to yourself. And when that happens, a lot of stuff dissolves, you forgive yourself for a lot of things. And then you start to go, wow, um, your happiness makes me happy. So I want you to be happy. So I'm going to listen. I'm going to include you. We might vote differently, make different choices with our bodies. But like, how can I accommodate you? And then you, when you really get cooking, I think we move into mercy, which is even if, even if you and I have committed the same crime, I hope you get it way easier than I do. Mercy, just mercy. I got love. I got so much love to give you. I got so much love. I hope that you get off the hook and you don't have to endure what I endured. And I think that is, that's the beauty of community. That's the beauty. I mean, this goes back to the dark night.
1: Yeah, this this is literally where I was going is like, okay, and how do the people you spend time with, how does this affect, you know, keep going, sorry.
0: Well, I think, I know that when people have been through rough stuff and really transmuted it, really come out on the other side, two things will happen. One, they'll do anything to not go back. So it's like, I will meditate. I will have courageous conversations. I will do my cold plunging, whatever your thing is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to collapse again. And then they go way out of their way, if not make it central to their life purpose to, to help shorten other people's learning curves. You also realize you can't actually fix anybody or help anybody, but you will do whatever you can to, uh, like be refuge to comfort people.
1: Mm. Yeah. There's also a theme in the book of choosing higher quality thoughts.
0: Oh, this is my favorite. Can we talk about this? Yes. yes. This is
1: my favorite too. I'm <laughs> th- please. Yes. Deep.
0: Okay. Listen, this is it. Everybody write this down, three words, energy follows thought. It's all I say these days, energy follows thought, energy follows thought. Okay. So here's the exercise, everybody listening. Okay. Everybody have a, have some thoughts right now about your body. Okay. Got a couple thoughts. It's this, it's that I'm not. Okay. All right. And what's the most pronounced thought could have been, maybe the thought you had was like really negative. So it stood out Or it was like really positive what's the stickiest most energized thought okay how would you describe that thought chase can we work with you sure okay uh you don't have to tell us your thought unless you want to was it a positive thought or a negative thought
1: i would categorize it as negative yeah okay And I'm happy to, like, I'm happy to, let's just turn it all on the table here. So I would say that historically, my physicality has been a positive attribute for me Mm -hmm. for my whole life. I went to college on a soccer scholarship. I played on the Olympic development team. And I'm reconciling with the fact that that used to not take work. And now it takes work. And that work is historically has been something that I have enjoyed. And I am now... Awakening to the realization that, wow, the amount of work it takes is something that I'm going to have to recalibrate because my body has been, it's a useful tool for carrying me around, has been sort of my perception. And so my immediate thought was like, gosh, I'm worried about my ability to, you know, uh, take care of this vessel.
0: Okay. So worry about ability. Uh, and you classify that as a negative thought. Okay.
1: Yeah. Is a worry.
0: So that's the energy of the thought is negative. You could also say um, the energy of that worry thought is um, lack, uh, fear. Did you just say fear maybe? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So those thoughts, all thoughts are energy. Those thoughts hang out around you in your auric field, you could say. Actually, esoterically, your thoughts do hang out in your arc field. That's what is actually happening. And what's the energy that's going to follow that thought? More worry, more fear, maybe you blow out your knee, you, the gym is locked when you go, those things, right? Mm -hmm. Or you attract more criticism. So we want to be having higher vibration thoughts. And this is not a spiritual bypass, which is like, everything's good. I'm so grateful for all of this hardship. This is, I see the thought. Why can I see it? Because I'm the parent of my life. I'm a conscious being. I'm love. I'm the sky. I see the thought. I don't criticize myself for having the thought. Don't get down on Chase because you're worried about that. Just like, huh, saw it. Going to choose a higher quality thought. And a higher quality thought has to be one that you believe. You got to believe it. So, if you don't, if th- this is why I'm down on affirmations, don't just look in the mirror and say, I am rock solid, healthy. I am don't, if you don't believe that it's just like maybe the the highest quality thought you can believe that day is I have the capacity to heal. I have the capacity to be vital. I've been vital before. I'll be vital again. My vitality is growing, whatever it is. And then another characteristic of loving thoughts is they're not rebellious. There's, so there's no kind of screw you energy to the thought. It's just like, you know, I can so crush my physical goals that's just you talking down to you and it's you kind of be in improving mode it's just like you you can come from your heart and say i can so crush my physical goals because life has got me whatever it is and you might have to change your thinking 10,000 times a day 10,000 negative thoughts that's 10,000 opportunities for you to expand evolve be loving. You choose this this is the real warriorship of love and light, hmm. which is choose the higher quality thought because that is what creates your reality.
1: How to be loving as your heart is breaking open and our world is waking up. Congratulations. It's as they say in show business it's out now it's everywhere congratulations i know how hard you've been working on this and for how long Mm -hmm. so congrats on the next evolution of your work you are always welcome here um i i appreciate you allowing me to use my own experience um as an example here i I may have some for follow-up questions <laughs> after this show, and I know you got to b- bounce right to another one. But I, I'm, uh, as such is, as such as pub pub week here. But uh, thank you again for being a friend and for sharing your soul, your journey through the dark night. Um, and I, as I shared when you first reached out, about my heart was just cracked wide open to f- feel to be aware to become aware years later that that our last interview was so difficult for you and yet it was Mm. so profound and popular. And, um, I just don't know. I don't know how you did it then, but now I'm after reading this book, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see how you've done it. Mm. So Mm. thank you very much for being on the show. Um, congrats on the book. Once again, how to be loving as your heart is breaking open and our world is waking up. Where should we find you out there on the internet? I know you've, you've got lots of different, um, manifestations of your work, as you shared with us in your opening mm-hmm. salvo, but where would you steer folks besides the book? The book is a given for us.
0: Mm. Danielleport.com. Lots going on. And I hang out a lot on Instagram. I love that platform. And yeah, lots of love. The, the My prayer is that my digital space, when people are in pain at 1130 at night, they're like, oh, I need a little something. And they can come to my space and get that light.
1: Yeah. I do encourage the follow. You're always done. I don't know. So many lovely, especially stories are regularly on there talking about your experiences and how you managed it. And um, it's very relatable. So Mm, thank you mm. very much for being Mm. a great follow and lots of love friend, good luck in your adventures. And Mm. thank you so much for being on the show. We love you. and You're always welcome here.
0: Thank you. I just love you, Chase. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right. That's all for today's show. But hey, before you go, I want to say thank you for listening and also for engaging with the platform. Wherever you consume the show, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere, thank you so much. Reviews help a ton if you're willing to. And I want to let you know in an effort to continue the topics we explore here on the show, or if you have questions, you can always direct your comments to me on all my social feeds. I'm at Chase Jarvis everywhere. But also... I will see your message quicker if you shoot me a text. That's right, I can text directly with you. The best way is to hit me up at 206-309-5177. I get a lot of texts, so I can't always get back to you right in the moment, but trust me, those are my thumbs on the other end of the keyboard. So I wanna say thanks so much, and I look forward to engaging with you soon.